Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. You know, I got to tell you, this podcast everyday thing is pretty cool. Gus, great to hear your voice again. It seems like we just talked yesterday, Mike Randall. Listeners, we're so glad that you're tuning in one more time this week. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are manufacturing this basketball listening pathway on the evening of March 9th. Like we said, the best time of year is finally here, Mike. March has provided so many cool, unique teams, stories, players, backstories, and we are still waiting on Selection Sunday. We hope to continue to provide you with all of the elements on the way for a perfect March storyline. We aim to uh, improve that commute to and fro. Thanks for plugging us into your car. And hey, you know what? I didn't think of this before, Mike Randall, but maybe some people are plugging us in on their run now that it's a little bit nicer outside. Ah, very nice. So thank you for for letting us join you and your exercise. So hopefully that's happening. We're always thankful. We're so humbled. We're honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with Mike, you, and our ever-increasing audience out there. You know what we're going to say? Ahoy out there. D Strange 63. Shoot it straight next time out on the seaside bent grass. And ahoy out there at boiler underscore Ray. What up, Shy Town? Salasha, gratulatia, and happy to have you all tune in. The ball is tipped. You're running for your life. Hey, remember, actually, funny, we should tell the listeners this. At my wedding, my wife and I entered the room to uh, One Shining Moment. Gus was there. He gave the speech. Uh, the, which, this is the best man speech. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Which, it was a great moment. I Boy, think all, you know, all of uh, the, you know, your, our, our fellow basketball college, vas- uh, college basketball vagabond junkies were just like, is that really happening? Right. Are we really experiencing this right now? The and old so people we had no gave, idea. gave each other like a pound on the side. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah the old people had no idea. The ball is tipped. I can't wait. It's the best time of year. I mean, it's so exciting. And to show you how exciting it is. One of our loyal listeners, uh, Gonzalo Bedia. We love Gonzalo. Yeah, Gonzalo, thanks for hitting us up, man. Gonzalo. Really, really thankful. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in every day uh, this week, and thanks for tuning in all season with us. Thanks, Gen- Gonzalo. Gonzalo Bedia Diaz, and you can find him at Gonzalo Bedia Diaz, just tweeted us as we're going live. Great to have you guys on daily. Thank you, sir. Did you know Taylor Coppenrath is a legend in Spain, one of the best players ever in Spain's second division? So there you go. I mean, we've come full circle. We're talking about Taylor Coppenrath because we're out having beverages, watching them bang and beat uh, Syracuse. And there we go, Gonzalo Bedia. Just a tremendous job. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to get started. Uh, TJ Sorenstein, how deep was that three? It's a dagger. Dagger. Uh, It's just huge, huge shot. Uh, I can't wait to get started. Basically, folks, we have 12 teams in. We have one new one tonight, automatic qualifier from last night which means we have 20 more automatic qualifiers to come as we head towards March Madness. Gus, take it away. Okay, our one qualifier from last night's action was in the Patriot League final. Bucknell tops Lehigh 81-65. We need to start with the Bison March history. If you remember, they took down Kansas and Arkansas back-to-back tourneys about 10 years ago. That Kansas game is still memorable to me. I can remember being upstairs at the establishment that we were watching that game, Mike Randall. I think we took that game in together. Is that correct? 
Oh, you're darn right. We did. We were playing some pool. It was a great day. We go out for the first day of March Madness and it ended. And that kid holding that jersey up, it said Bucknell. Just a wonderful, wonderful moment. So this team has some size and they can shoot it straight. The Bison shoot it 48% from the field overall. Uh, let's start with that size with 6'7 junior swingman Zach Thomas. He averages 16 points, about six boards, three-plus assists. And talk about reliable. Thomas has scored double figures in 19 of his last 20 games. That's what you want from one of your senior leaders. From I mean, I'm sorry, from one of your upperclassmen leaders. Another junior, Nana Falund. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. 6'9", 235, stud inside for the Bison. He puts up about 15 points a game, about eight boards a game. He shoots at about 63% from the field. Nice old school big who is comfy down low in the post. He feels at home down there. Think of him as like a smaller, more compact, shorter Shemek Karnowski. Backcourt is solid as well. It's manned by Kimbrell McKenzie, 6'1 shooter who's about 40% from three, averages about 11.5 points per game. The point man is another junior, Stephen Brown. He shoots at 40% from three and is under two turnovers per game, steady as she goes, as we like to say on the Screen the Screener podcast. With the history attached to the Patriot League in March, they are always a trendy first-round upset selection, and nothing is changing this year with this edition of the Bison. The other thing to pay attention to here with the, this particular Bison team is something we discussed with John Gassaway a few podcasts back. If you remember, one of the conversations that we got into John got in with John was the over-reliancy on three-point shots by certain teams. And this Bison team is not overly reliant on the three. And the first stat that we gave you is that they're actually really competitive and really efficient from two-point land. No one on the team has attempted over 150 uh, threes this year. So they take it when it's presented and they don't go hunting for those threes. So if the defense is going to give them an open three and one of those shooters that we just mentioned who shoots about 40% is open, they'll take it. But they're not going to take it early in the shot clock and they're certainly not going to take it contested. So remember, John talked about good twos and not a ton of threes as the proper recipe. Bucknell follows the plan. Mike, do you have any take on Bucknell and them getting into March again? And does their name strike fear in other big school blue bloods that are, are waiting out there and hoping they don't get Bucknell on the other side of their bracket? You know, I can make an argument for them. The argument is there, but my heart is just not into it. I guess when we talk about these teams, I want to tell the listeners, I just don't see it. Uh, let me give my rundown of my thoughts. I mean, you, you said it better. Nathan Davis, coach. They're 81st in Ken Palm. They're 65 in the RPI. They got a decent RPI, so that should keep them out of that bottom two seed line, something like a 14-ish sort of seed. Absolutely. That, they're definitely in that neighborhood. You, you mentioned the players. Nana, we love. Zach Thomas. Um, they had a decent strength to schedule, the Bisons. If you look at it, you're gonna, you have to dig a little deeper because you're going to think that they are ranked 313th by Ken Palm uh, for their schedule, but that was dragged down by the fact they're in the Patriot League. There really wasn't a lot of resistance in there. So Bucknell was in the upper half of the country in, in strength of schedule for non-conference. They beat Vanderbilt. They beat Richmond in non-conference, but they lost to Loyola Maryland, which is a kind of a big blip on the radar. But basically the Bison in the tournament, they beat Army. Shout out to our play-by-play guy, Rich DeMarco, in the Patriot League opener, followed that up with a win against Navy. 
title game, they just had a one-point lead over Lehigh, but then they outscored the Hawks by 15 in the second half and took their third NCAA tournament bid in the last six years. I think Bucknell's good. I think they're going to be a strong first-half team. Gus, you know I love these first-half bets for some unknown reason. I just can't see Bucknell getting over a win. I, I I put them a little closer to Jacksonville State than I put them to Wichita State. I really do. So love Bucknell, rooting for him. Who can forget that 2005 year with the, with the the guy with the jersey? I mean, it was great. But I don't think – I mean, listen, it have to be the right matchup, but I don't think they can pull it off. Hey, if they play Virginia, you never know. I love that you got your Virginia dig there. There it is. Yeah, Beautiful. There, there it is. Str- nice. Struggling with Notre Dame tonight, by the way. We're going to give you some more uh, automatic qualifiers as uh, the, you know the, as they come about. But right now, I think Mike Randall. I think we're going to head to some just general news and notes for the folks. Is that is that cool with everybody? The ball is tipped. News and notes from the hardwood. All right, news and notes. We're going to do a little ping pong version here tonight, folks. Normally, one of us will. When we go on Broadway, one of us goes on the couch. News and notes, one of us sets up the other one. Tonight, we're going to go back and forth. So, Gus, you take it away to start. Very good. Okay, Mike, speaking of the A-10, we, you know, we mentioned the Davidson-LaSalle game at noon today. Uh, congratulations to Davidson. Very nice win. UMass has fired head coach Derek Kellogg after nine seasons. Mike, fair or unfair? Is it enough time? Is it not enough time? Have we seen enough? Is UMass ready to move on? I can speak on all things UMass because I have been around UMass since Derek Kellogg came aboard. Uh, he's been on the program for nine, been in the program nine seasons now. I've attended more of those games because I have in-laws up at Amherst, Massachusetts, than you can shake a stick at. The loudest basketball game I've ever been to in person was that big win with Chaz Williams over VCU. The place was packed. Ch- Chaz was awesome, by the way. Uh, he was really good. Another ankle taker like Kyrie Irving. The issue is Kellogg was 155 and 137, including 15 and 18 this season in his tenure. His teams were 67 and 83 in the Atlantic 10 during play as well. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, he is the former point guard for the UMass team. Uh, you know, and he, he played on that team that made the Final Four with Marcus Camby. So he has a lot of experience there. And, and his name brought a lot. But it just didn't translate. He had a phenomenal recruiting class this year. They have had back-to-back disappointing seasons. This year really needed to be better. Now, there was a Twitter war going on today when Kellogg's news broke that he was fired. He wasn't even on the plane, by the way, going back to Pittsburgh, and I think that story broke. So the players were very defensive. Players are going to be loyal to the coach, no doubt about it. So what's frustrating is I'm sure they wanted to say to themselves, do we bring him back one more season and try to give these great recruiting classes that they have, one of the best in the A-10, another chance? What's interesting about Kellogg is he went – they went back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 18 seasons in 2014, a season that saw the, the Minutemen finish 24-9, and nine, and they were several weeks that they were ranked. He then Weren, turned, weren't, weren't they a sixth seed that year? Yeah, uh, yeah, they played uh, – excellent, very good. They played Tennessee. And remember, right. one of our – And Tennessee went on a run and made the Sweet 16. Of course they did, my friend, because as we're trying to teach these people, the playing, the, the teams that do the playing games usually get hot. Tennessee pounded them on the glass and destroyed them. That was the beginning of the end for Kellogg. You know, He turned down an offer that year to go to Tulsa, by the way, supposedly, and stayed with an extension. The, the 13-14 season, expectations were high, but the minimum were 17-15 and 15 the following year and below 500 each of the last two seasons. So he had a great recruiting class. It was ranked in the top 25, including five freshmen that that came in. Um, They have even a six freshman this year, Unique McLean, who eventually redshirted. But 
Very frustrating for UMass fans. That's a great college atmosphere. The only teams in the A-10, Gus, I tweeted out today, VCU and Dayton, the rest is wide open. They can be there with Rhode Island. They even beat Dayton at home this year. Very frustrating. Just didn't come together. They're going to lose some of those recruits, but I think it's a step forward. My read on Derek Kellogg, having been around there a lot, I think he's a recruiter. I think he's a, a good guy. I don't think he has the X's and O's. And my proof of that will be he succeeded when Chaz Williams was there, the point guard on the court, and he had sure. Vance Wahlberg. When he first came on, he brought Wahlberg's dribble drive from Memphis. They were with Calipari in Memphis, yep. and Vance left after three years. Vance is, I think, coaching high school right now. So that is the issue. I don't see him as an X and O guy. I don't see him as an in-game adjustment guy. I see him as I call usually an LG, a let's-go guy. That's the thing. They need a little scheming. Now, one more thing for you, my friend. My wife is in the kitchen today, and she says to me, because it's her brother who's up in UMass, who do you think UMass is going to get to replace him? Ooh. And I go, you know, that's a really good question, as I'm chowing down on my Greek pita, by the way. Nice call. And she says, without blinking an eye, uh, which means that we have infected her, by the way, when she says this comment. She goes, what about Tim Clues of Iona? Mm. I jumped up and smacked her on the fanny. Because I was so excited with that comment. Now, she did not appreciate that, that slap, I will tell you that. And I, that's a bad move on my part. I sleep on the couch tonight. But honestly, that is a perfect fit. What a perfect fit. And here's why. Clues gets Iona back in the tournament again. Yep. Clues wants to stay in the area. I don't think Clues is a travel to Oklahoma guy. Right. UMass would be more money. It's bigger exposure. The cupboard is full. He has an exciting brand of basketball that sells tickets. It would be unique in the, in the, uh, in the A-10 to see him go at VCU with that. That's the perfect hire. If you, UMass, if you're listening, hire Tim Clues. That's the guy. How about him and McKillop matching up two times a year with both of their offensive minds going head-to-head? Brilliant. How cool would that be? Because it, here's the thing, Gus. You know me. As the, the fans can probably tell, I hate mediocrity. Okay, either be 0 and 20 or be 20 and 0. You need someone with some pizzazz. You went with Kellogg because he was the UMass grad. Who are we getting? Doctor J, Al, Al Skinner. You want to go Al Skinner? I could take Al Skinner too. I could take Al Skinner if you wanted to. Al go Skinner there. would be amazing. Okay, but it's got to be somebody like that. And I think you take Skinner, who's a former UMass player. Uh, you could bring him back. Is he is he still at Kennesaw State? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. Or you want to splash with somebody and, and give him a chance to move up to a to a power conference? Take Tim Clues of Iona. That's incredible. What's even more incredible is my wife said that without even blinking, which means we have infected her mind. Woo! Uh, so she's tuning in like everybody else. She has no choice. <laughs> she, she even listened. I'm in the shower. I'm playing it. She thinks this is nuts. But it's great. No, she said Tim Clues. It was great. I go, I am stealing that, but I'm not going to steal. I'm going to give her credit. Yes, and I will, I, I'm hypnotizing her with basketball. It's fine. Yes, Tim Perfect. Clues to UMass. That's what Mike Randall's calling. It is officially March Madness if your wife is giving – coaching advice out of nowhere what a tim clues iona oh, oh this is wonderful okay uh now my term gus gus i'm gonna come back at you okay gus the duke blue devils win a huge game against louisville 81 77 tonight grayson allen tail two games right a day removed from a clemson game where he played 12 minutes scored zero points and got a technical foul for slamming the ball off the ground he comes off the bench lights it up 18 points gus you like duke big game against unc what do you got Here's, here's what we got in this game. Number one, the Grayson Allen influence on this game, I think, is an afterthought. It could have been him. 
It could have been Giles. It could have been Matt Jones. It could have been Frank Jackson. It just happened to be Grayson Allen because he hit a couple threes and made his free throws. So I think we can put that part of the story to the side, okay? The real story of this game is what we've been talking about on the podcast for the past couple of pods, past couple of Duke rundowns. Every game that they play, including the next game against UNC, they are going to have two of the best players on the floor at all times with Tatum and Kennard. Tatum goes for 25. He goes for six rebounds. He has three steals to throw in. Kennard goes for 24. He's got 10 boards and three assists and hits three threes. Those two guys carried the load. They won the game against a tough defensive Louisville Cardinal team. We called for a good game from Quentin Snyder. He delivered 15 and 5 and 3. Just wasn't enough. If your star, Donovan Mitchell, is going to go 3 for 14 from the field and only score 8 points, you are not going to win the matchup when you are trying to go against Tatum and Kennard and they're putting up 25 and 24. Very simple. I'm a little worried for UNC in, the, in this next game against the Blue Devils. It's kind of like the rubber game, right? They're one and one going in. I got to tell you, I still think Duke is going to be an issue. I know you're going to say Jefferson is going to get in foul trouble. I know you're going to tell me that Frank Jackson it, you know, isn't good enough at the point or good enough on the wing. But I'm telling you, with Tatum and Kennard leading the charge – and those two guys, they're very similar to Kansas with Frank Mason and Josh Jackson. When they have those two players on the court, they have a chance to beat anybody, anytime. I feel like Duke is getting to the same area that Kansas is with Tatum and Kennard. And when those two guys play well, like they did today, they can beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. Case in point, the 10th rank Louisville Cardinals. You're now, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Now, no, no, I was just going to say now, like, I know we're going to go counter-argument, but to dismiss Duke at this point of the season, I think would be silly, I think it would be irresponsible, and I think it would just be a folly. I don't know if dismissing a team that has two impact players like that is the right thing to do during March Madness. Mike, go for it. I think you're going to be surprised here, my friend. Wait, wait. Are you coming around? Did am, we win you over I a little bit? I am coming around. I, and oh, remember, shit. people, I am my own man. Let's remember that. I am my own man. I pick St. Mary's. I stay true to them. But when I, I don't have take lock. I do not have take lock. I believe things are fluid. And if they change, they change. I will tell you this. This was a very impressive win in my mind. Frank Jackson has come around. His last five games, 16 points, 22 points, 15 points, 20 points. Only had eight today. That's okay. A lot of pressure from, from Louisville. That's all, they, that's all they needed today. I have found the way that I can get on board with Duke. You want to know what it is, Gus? Okay. Let's hear the recipe. Let's go. Grayson Allen comes off the bench. Absolutely. And here's, and here's my argument. Jefferson had a bad game. That's fine. He's got an Osman mood, Matthew Yang. That's a tough matchup. Okay? He's, gonna, he's not going to score there. He, he's completely undersized he, in right. that matchup. But, and he won't be in most games, so that's fine. Um, I, like, I really like Emile Jefferson, to be honest. You just find he's in foul trouble, but I, I like him. Jason Tatum, you called it ahead of time. Well done. I tip my hat to you again. Little clap. Jason Tatum's a star. Okay. Any foul out of this game, by the way. 25 right. points. Gus gave you the numbers. I'm not giving them to him again. 
Frank Jackson's coming around. Matt Jones had zero. Matt Jones is not a zero player. He's a, a good, he's turned himself. He's morphed into a lockdown defender type of guy, and he'll hit some threes. Um, hey, hey, just super quickly right there, I'm going to jump in on your on your Jones comment. Why do you think Mitchell went three for 14? Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So he's not a zero player. He says zero in the box score. The fact that he had that much impact on Mitchell's game means uh, he's not a zero player. Very Continue. nice. Uh, sorry, sorry. Just wanted to throw that in there. No, I like that phrase. He's not a zero player. That's correct. There's a difference between a zero player and a guy who scores zero. Well done. Uh, you're right. Louisville was only 421 from three. I don't think that's going to last all the time. But Deuce defense had something to do with that, to be fair. Kennard is a star, period. Giles, you know what I saw in this game, man? You, 15, point, 15 minutes from Harry Giles? I can get 15 minutes. You want six points, five rebounds? I can get that from him. Which means it's got to be Grayson Allen off the bench, and that's the move because it gives confidence to, to Frank Jackson. It gives Mac Jones gets a start. You have another senior. Jefferson knows his role. Tatum. Grayson Allen comes off the bench. Coach K. I'm making comments today. I'm calling for Tim Clues to go. I want Skinner back at UMass if that's going to happen. <laughs> Coach, right. Coach K. If you're listening, and there's no chance you're listening, that's fine. You should keep Grayson Allen coming off the bench. If you do that, this team can go to the Final Four. I'm in. I've turned around. It comes down to the bracket, Gus. Just to back your stance on Grayson Allen coming off the bench, do you remember the last time Duke won a title? Oh, yeah. He, he had the uh, crazy – he was the freshman, right? Yeah. Do you remember who came off the bench and yes. had a huge impact? That's it. Him? That's it. You got it. Yeah. It's, it's a very familiar script. It's not anything that's foreign. It's not anything they haven't done before. Just because he's a junior and because some uh, people prognosticated that he was going to be the, the, you know, the, the national player of the year – it's okay if he comes off the bench if it's going to help your team win games. You got it. He, Make the move. He can be the 2017 version of the microwave, Vinny Johnson. And by the way, if you know who Vinny Johnson, the microwave, played for, please email us, sdspodcast at gmail.com, or send it to Twitter at sdspodcast, or you can contact myself at ftsywarriormike, or Gus at ckern, C-K-E-A-R-N-S 12 on Twitter. And if you're enjoying this for free, we appreciate it. The reviews have come in fast and furious. We're doing very well on iTunes. If you have a moment tomorrow, if you're snowed in or if you're at the beach or wherever you are, why don't you go to iTunes and give us five stars. You want to give us four? Give us the extra star. We'll call it even. Thank you, folks. We appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in all week. Thanks for the reviews. Thanks for the Twitter follows. Thank you for emailing us your thoughts. We totally appreciate the interaction. Uh, Mike, I think Mike and I are going to lift the curtain here a little bit. Because we're attempting to give you a podcast every day this week, we've definitely slowed down on our Twitter interaction. Um, so we're going to try to step up our game over the weekend. Uh, so please, people that Twittered and, and mentioned us and so on and so on, we'll get back after it this weekend. But we are putting a lot of energy and a lot of focus on giving you guys this content and this podcast. So we're not sleeping on you. We're just trying to put our energies elsewhere. Curtain back down. Back to the podcast. Gus, uh, the ping pong ball is back to you. What do you got? So St. John's head coach, Chris Mullen, and John Thompson III got into a pretty heated exchange after a hard foul in the St. John's Georgetown game at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Patrick Ewing uh, Jr. jumped in. John Thompson III back next year as head coach, or are they doing the same thing that UMass is doing right now? Are they looking for a new head coach and starting a search? Man, and we've this has been kind of a story elsewhere where people have come out and have not put their name on their words and been like, I am scared of, you know, JT, not JT3, but, you know, John Thompson, the big John. 
and they are scared of what's going to happen to the Georgetown program if they make a change. So, Mike, this is kind of like a heavy-hitting subject. Are, does Georgetown have to make a change after two majorly subpar seasons? They should make the change. They're not going to make the change because of John Thompson Sr. Or John Thompson, I should say, Jr. And the reason they're not going to make the change is the following. I am pulling this from SB Nation. Of course I am because I also write for BT Powerhouse for SB Nation. And here you go, Gus, to set the whole thing up. A D.C. drug dealer named, um, I'm not going to say his name, but anyway, a D.C. drug dealer began knocking on Alonzo Mourning's door. And the freshman made the foolish, naive decision to befriend him. He just wanted to get involved in the Georgetown experience. When the drug runners would get murdered, this gentleman would then buy them Georgetown jerseys. That's how fanatical he was. One day, Coach Thompson brought this gentleman to his office when he was coaching Georgetown. And when the kid comes in, you have Iverson, there's been Ewing, there's been Alonzo Mourning, and he's going to meet this kid, this top drug dealer. Dikembe. Dikembe, of course. So when he gets in there, here's what happens. He tells the gentleman, I don't want you hanging around my players. I want them to be focused, this and that. The gentleman, who is the drug dealer, ended up saying, no, no, it wasn't me. Uh, not me, you know, denial, 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 all this stuff. John Thompson stands up in the room to this drug dealer who supposedly was legendary and basically screams at him, lights him up and tells him, basically tells him, if you don't stay away from my players, you're going to have to answer to me and it's not going to be pretty. I'm paraphrasing my friend. The drug dealer never came by the Georgetown program again. And people like were worried that Thompson was in trouble. So basically, are they going to get rid of John Thompson the third? No, because John Thompson's presence is too large there. But if it wasn't that situation, Gus, I think he would be gone. And it's unfortunate. The St. John's Georgetown game has become such a non-important game, which is sad, that this was the highlight for everybody. That Ewing comes off the bench and yells at Mullen. Mullen yells at Ewing, John Thompson. It's just frustrating because it used to be such a great rivalry. Things change. Things morph. Things evolve. This is one of the changes of the Big East that is an unfortunate result of the realignment and of the coaching changes and how things change and how the landscape just takes a different form. This was a game back in the day that we would kill for, St. John's, Georgetown. It's not that way anymore, and that's okay because we do have new rivalries. We do have other teams that we can pay attention to. But is it okay for us, like long-term college basketball vagabond fans, to long for yesterday? Yeah, it's okay. And can we do that while reminiscing about John Thompson, Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, and the list of luminaries that you rambled off before? Of course. You know what that means? It just means and reinforces that this sport always gives – and never takes away. This sport stays with us. Those iconic players and iconic coaches never go anywhere. They stay with us. They make an impact on us. And that is why we love this sport. And that is why we love this month. Because even though that game that meant 
absolutely nothing according to March Madness. We're talking about it because of the history with those two programs and because of the links that those two coaches have with unbelievable success from the past. It's okay to reminisce. It's all right. It's all right to want what was from yesterday. But at the same time, let's go ahead and celebrate what's happening today. It's not a bad thing. It's an okay thing to link into the past, dig into the archives. Like we mentioned last podcast, like dig into the crates, pull something great out, take a look at it and be like, man, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that player unbelievable? Wasn't that moment super special? And that's what we did And that's what Chris Mullen and JT3 and that interaction with them totally getting heated and getting each other's faces and the players getting fired up gave us. So you know what? I'm cool with it. I'm cool that we had that little reminisce and walk down memory lane. I'm really enjoying it. And I hope that other listeners and the viewers out there had a similar experience and were like, oh, yeah, you remember when? And whatever the remember when was. It could have been an Iverson remember when. It could have been a Walter Berry remember when. Heck, it could have even been like a you know, Ron Artest remember when. Whatever their remember when was, I hope they went back in the dial back machine and like hit it hard and then were able to like, you know, smile afterwards because that's what March Madness does. It brings back all of those memories that you shared with a close friend, that you shared with a group of guys, that you shared with your team, that you shared with fellow student athletes, that you shared with fellow competitors, that you shared with fellow coaches. That's exactly what happened in here. Coaching moves aside, I love that we just had that little experience right here with this totally unimportant game for March Madness. I mean, that was just a fantastic thing there. That's wonderful. So I got to capitalize on your momentum. Get on the couch, my friend. We're going to finish this one up. I got two quick things to run at you. Ready? Okay, go for it. Get down there. We're going to do two things. Here we go. Gus is hanging out. He's got a pipe. Tell Sigmund Freud, ready to rock and roll. Last one. (laughs) Gus, uh, I'm, gonna, Mike, I'm just going to jump. A cigar is a cigar. Uh, always. Sometimes in Vegas it's not. But here it is. Here we go. Okay. G- Gus, I'm looking at the latest bracketology on ESPN. Joe Lenardi doing a great job for March yep. 9th. Gus, there are some phenomenal matchups here. Do not look at it. I'm just going to read them to you, and I'm going to laugh at your reaction because they're incredibly difficult to predict. You ready? But I want your answer. Gun to your head. Quick. Three second. Who you taking? Ready? Go. Second round, Virginia plays Purdue. <laughs> oh, we've only just begun. My friend. Wow. Trust me. Are you kidding me? Is nope. that really a matchup? It would be four or five game if they both won. Yes. That's phenomenal. Unbelievable. You know what? Give me the best player on the floor. Give me Purdue. Moving on. First round game. Number eight, Wichita State. Number nine, Michigan. Uh, Wichita. Oh, good. Notre Dame, UNC, Wilmington. 5-12. Frisky. Unbelievably Frisky. It's kind of like Notre Dame is playing right into their hands. They don't have a size issue. Give me the upset. Give me UNC Wilmington. I'm doing this one for a point. Six, Wisconsin, 11, USC. Ooh, wow, really? That's really interesting because they have athletes all over yep. the court. Yep. Uh, Boatwright is a little bit of a nice matchup with Hap. Uh, I love the McLaughlin and Caning matchup. Here's what I'm going to say. Give me Nigel Hayes as a difference maker and him stepping up and answering your call. Give me Wisconsin. Uh, I thought you were going to go to USC. I was going to say the mighty have fallen. Okay. (laughs) Second round matchup. Seven Maryland to Baylor. Great matchup. Unbelievable matchup. You know what? Both of those guys could be uh, all Americans, whether it be first, second, or third team. Mello and Motley. 
I don't think there's any debating that because of the seasons they've had. Man, give me Baylor because uh, I feel like Mello will keep it close, but the freshmen might have like a little brain freeze. So give me Baylor and their trusted backcourt as long as Manu is healthy. Second round matchup, five Cincinnati, four West Virginia. Oh, that's awesome. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you, it's going to be a good one. Go ahead. If these matchups actually happen, thank goodness for March. That is the best time ever. Give me Cincinnati. Number three, Arizona. Number 14, Florida Gulf Coast. <laughs> what do you think you know that spread Miller- is? Three? Better, maybe it's three. Arizona three or something like that. You know, you know what Sean Miller's doing? He's actually worrying about that game. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want any part of that if I'm Arizona. No, no give me Arizona. I'm just curious on this one. Number seven, Creighton. Number 10, Michigan State. Who's starting to get uh-huh. on now? Interesting. Give me the freshman. Give me Izzo. Give me the best player on the floor with Miles Bridges. Uh, give me the give me the better coach, slightly better coach. Give me the better coach with Izzo. I'll take Michigan State there. Three left. Iowa State, six. Middle Tennessee State, and 11. Holy moly. Are you joking me? Is that really going to be a first-round matchup? It really is. <laughs> That's what he's got. I'm telling you, if they that do this is, right, this. I is mean, phenomenal. I know he's doing this to like make us talk about it and like make listeners and and viewers mission and accomplished. People. Yeah, I mean, okay, great. This is awesome. If we get to see this game in real life, that would be incredible. Who wins? We win. That'd be amazing. Uh, what are we gonna do? You know what I'm gonna say? Give me Middle Middle Tennessee State doing it again. Here's the reason why. I think they're difference makers inside with some size Upshaw and Williams outdo the undersized uh, Iowa State inside players. How's that? And how about Deontay Burton has one of those games where every shot's a good shot. Here's my question. Regardless of who wins that game, would you pick number three Butler to beat either of those teams in the second round? Guess what? Yeah, Butler's sweating that right now. You got it. You got it. And last one, I'm going to ask you every day until we get to March Madness. Number five, SMU. Number four, Duke. Who are you taking? Wow. Uh, I might change my mind every single day. It's tough. Uh, how about this? Today, I'm going to take SMU. Agreed. Here, here's why I'm going to take SMU. I'm going to take SMU because they can switch everything on defense. I'm going to take SMU because Duke is not currently playing to their strengths, which is having size inside with uh, uh, Giles and Jeter. They are playing a little bit smaller lineup with uh, Jefferson. SMU can match up with that with Brown inside. Give me SMU because I think they can match up best player for best player with Shake Milton and Semi Ojale with Tatum and Kennard. Ready, last part. Here we go. On Broadway. Hit the music. On Broadway. Really quick. I'm going to do an On Broadway, Gus. I'm going to give you current box scores that happened today, and I'm going to turn it around and want your response. Ready? Ooh, okay. okay, so I, uh, I'm hopping up on the couch or the, or the lounge chair. Okay, we're rolling. Keep the momentum going. I okay. read the box score. You comment. Ready? Go. Notre Dame's up 10 on Virginia with a minute left. Sounds about right. Dana O'Neill had, had tweeted, Virginia down 17 is the equivalent of 117,000 with Cavaliers' woes. Good job by Dana O'Neill. Can we just say she's brilliant? 
Next. Absolutely brilliant. If you haven't read her book on uh, Villanova, uh, that's definitely worth a purchase. I know you're not going to read it the next couple of weeks because you're going to be watching all the games. But once the season ends, get your hands on her book about Villanova. It's fantastic. Final score, Kansas State 70, Baylor 64. No way. Yes way. Oh, my goodness. I think we might need to put Kansas State in. I think we may have to. And Baylor. Wow. And, and then Baylor. Oh, man. Baylor's going to fall off that two line, I think. Oh, and Baylor oh, is as, as shaky as the dice on a craps table. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take the point. Xavier 62, number 18, Butler 57. Can I go after you? Absolutely needed this win. Put Xavier in. Uh, Trayvon Blewett is amazing. He might be able to win a game in March by himself. I'm not sure. They're really undermanned. Uh, we have some issues with Butler, don't we? Trayvon Blewett, 23 points, four rebounds, four assists. Folks, if you're putting Butler past the first two rounds, you just ain't paying attention. It's really that simple in my mind. And that's all I got, Gus. And there we go, Gus. That's it. That's it for tonight. Short podcast. Hit a lot of topics. Hope you folks were excited. We're coming to you every day. We're going to do one tomorrow night, and then we are not going to do one on the weekends. Uh, We have to do some stuff ourselves. And, of course, we get ready. We have a massive party. We stay up all night the day the brackets are out. So we will not be able to do one on the weekend. So we're doing one every weekday. But, listen, if you like our show, you are not going to want to miss next Monday night's podcast. That's for darn sure. It will come at you. It will come at you aggressively. It will post Tuesday morning, and it will cover everything. And then we'll give you a quick one each day as we're getting closer to March Madness. So thank you, folks. We love it. Gus, any thoughts? Listen, just one more quick, a couple more quick thank yous. Thank you, technology department, for your help this entire week of getting the podcast into the listeners' ears. Unbelievable that we were able to do this. Uh, Listeners, thank you so much for consuming the thing that we are putting out. We love that you love the product. Thank you, listeners out there. Thank you, Bell Jar, for helping everybody get in and out of each one of our podcasts. Love that Bell Jar is uh, staying with us the entire season. And... Guys, on Monday, we are going to go everything that you want. We're going to go gut feel. We're going to go geeky numbers. We're going to give you a bracket rundown. Mike and I are going to go head-to-head on some stuff. It's going to be great. We're totally looking forward to it. So I hope that you guys are building some anticipation for it as well. And if you're looking for some guidance on your your pool that you're going to enter, you have found the place to come for that guidance. We hope that we can guide you next week and give you some tidbits and some solid facts and some really good gut feels on what we've seen all season to help you guys perform well in your pool. And if nothing else, maybe just mention to your buddy that game that you can hold over him for the entire month of March and be like, hey, see, I told you. I told you Team X was going to beat Team Y. And in your head, you're thinking, thank you, Screen the Screener. Thank you for giving me this tidbit of information. That's what we hope to do this next week. Let's go, Mike Randall. Luther, take us out. Here it comes. Sing it with me, folks. The ball is ticked. And then you are... Screen the screener. The ball is ticked. And there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years... No one knows just how hard you worked, but now it's shows.